Well, at this time, if you would take your Bible and turn to the book of John, John chapter 12. And we're going to just look at one verse this morning to get started. John chapter number 12. And uh, as you're turning to John chapter 12, if you're physically able to, would you join me by standing for the reading of this one verse together? And uh, I'll go ahead and read it. And then I'm going to ask you to join me, and we'll read it all together on the second time through, okay? So John chapter 12 and verse number 32. John 12, 32 says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And let's go ahead and read that together. Ready, begin. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Lord, we do pray that that would happen. Lord, that we would lift you up in our own individual lives. I pray that here at our own church, that we would lift you up. I pray that, Lord, in our community, that we would lift you up. And then, Lord, as we'll be talking about today uh, in our world, help us to lift you up in our world. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would guide us and direct us as we uh, look at this thought this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So in this series that we started way back in January, and here we are, second week of March, uh, we've been learning how to magnify the Lord in many different areas of our lives, in our hearts. We've been looking at how we can magnify the Lord in our homes, in our marriages, in our usage of time, in our usage of finances, and how we deal with trials, uh, how we can magnify the Lord here at Cornerstone Baptist Church, how we can magnify the Lord in our own workplaces, in our community, and finally today as we wrap up this little series, how we can magnify the Lord in our world. I do want to point out, though, before we get into that thought, the the order in which we've gone through this series was not by accident. Um, Really, until the Lord is magnified in our own hearts and in our own homes, then really we can't be effective as we magnify the Lord in our community or our world. Now, I hope that all of us have a desire to magnify the Lord in our community and in our world, but it's not going to happen if we're, uh, we haven't really magnified the Lord in our own hearts. God is not so concerned, or He's, he's much more concerned with the condition of our hearts than He is our outward service for Him. I was reading this uh, yesterday morning in my Bible reading. It was Psalm 51, and of course, for those who have a little understanding of that psalm, that's the psalm of confession after David was confronted by the prophet Nathan over his sin with Bathsheba. One of the things that David said in that psalm, and it kind of hit me a little bit yesterday, in verse number 6 of Psalm 51, it says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. So God is concerned with the condition of the inward parts of you more than He is with the outward service that you and I can do for Him. Now, does He want God, does God want us to be serving Him? Yes. But God wants us to have a good uh, condition of our hearts. And so that's why we talked about first, way back in January, the beginning of January, that we need to magnify the Lord in our hearts first and foremost. 
Uh, God desires that we would have a close relationship with Him and that we would be clean on the inside. And that we wouldn't just be this outward, uh, conformed person, but that we would uh, magnify the Lord in our own hearts. With that being said, I do want to share a story here. Adoniram Judson, uh, for those who have a little history of missions in their mind, uh, you'll recognize the name of Adoniram Judson. He labored faithfully in the country of Burma for 18 years without a furlough. Uh, normal missionaries will spend maybe three or four years on the mission field and come home on a furlough to give reports back to the churches. Well, Adoniram Judson was a, a different breed of missionary, and, and uh, he spent 18 years without coming home. For the first six years of his mission, ministry, and this could be why he didn't want to come back, is because he didn't have a single Burmese convert in those first six years. He's like, well, there's really nothing to report back to the churches. So I'm just going to stay here and keep working. I don't know if that's what it was, but uh, I would imagine that would have been very discouraging. And uh, he did say, though, that he never saw a ship leave Burma without wanting to board it and go home. Well, when his wife became sick and had to go home for two years without him, he wrote, if we could just find some quiet resting place on earth where we could spend the rest of our days in peace and perform the ordinary services of religion, that would be great. But he, then he wrote, Unfortunately, though, life is short, and happiness consists not in outward circumstances. And he said, Millions of Burmese are perishing. I am almost the only person on earth who has attained their language to communicate salvation. And so he felt the burden to stay. Now, God has a specific job for you as well, and you are the only person who can accomplish it. Now, God desires to be magnified in our world, but He, but he also wants to use us to make that happen. Now, about a year ago, I preached a sermon very similar to this one, and so there may be some things in here that might sound familiar to you, uh, but I believe that these thoughts bear repeating, and so... I'm going to share some of the things that I shared about a year ago on a Sunday night in March of 2019. But of course, there were many here today who weren't there in March uh, of 2019. And so hopefully uh, the Lord will use this message uh, as well today. So with that, let's look at four practical ways this morning in which we can lift him up. Because that's what he says. If I be lifted up from the earth, we'll draw all men unto me. So four ways we can practically lift him up in which we can magnify the Lord in our world. First of all, if we're going to magnify the Lord in our world, we need to pray. Now this one is one that a lot of us kind of would have guessed. Uh, this is one that uh, probably you would say, well, pastor, of course you have to say that. I'm afraid the word prayer and the word pray is so commonplace in our minds that it gets diluted and it doesn't get done in our own Christian lives. God does want us to be praying, uh, and this is essential if God's going to be magnified in our world. What are we supposed to be praying for? Well, first of all, we're to be praying for more laborers. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 37, it was Jesus who was talking to his disciples. And he said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And then he gives us his only prayer request that we find in all of the scriptures. And that is, he says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest 
that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So Jesus gave us one prayer request, and that is to be praying for more laborers. So can I ask you the question, friend, is that on your prayer list? Have you been praying that God would send forth more laborers into the harvest field? You say, oh, I haven't really thought about that. It's God's one prayer request. So we better make sure that that's on our prayer list. So pray for more laborers, because this one is near and dear to the heart of God. He sees the harvest, and he could have chosen so many different ways to reach this world. He could have chosen uh, the clouds to form, John 3.16, as people would look up in the air. Right? Maybe you've seen, you know, you've looked up and saw a cloud that looked like something, and you said, hey, check that, that cloud out. Doesn't that look like a cloud? <laughs> or whatever you, whatever you saw or thought it looked like. But it could have, God could have formed the clouds to be like that, you know, turn or burn, you know, or John 3.16, or, you know, uh, Jesus saves. He could have done that, but he has not chosen to use the clouds. He could have chosen the trees as you walk by the trees for them to, to speak to you and say, hey, buddy, you need to come to Christ and be saved. He could have done that. But he's not chosen those things. He's chosen you and I to be his witnesses, to be his ambassadors, to be the ones who would go into the harvest field and labor there for God's glory. Well, we better be praying that God would send forth more laborers. And by the way, we need more laborers. I'm going to be mentioning a little bit later on in the message. I'll go ahead and mention it here uh, as well. But look, as we look at our missionary list, uh, many of them are getting up there in years. We're going to need others to take their place. Well, we better be praying that God works in the hearts of His uh, children to go and be His witnesses, to be His laborers. So pray. Pray, first of all, for more laborers, but then I would say, next, pray for the laborers. Praise the Lord that God has sent some uh, laborers into His harvest field, uh, but look, at they need our prayers. They need you and I to hold the ropes in our prayer life and praying for God's blessing upon their lives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 25, Paul the Apostle, the, the great missionary of yesteryear, I uh, wrote this, brethren, pray for us. If you're looking for a memory verse, that's a great one. Maybe we should do that one next month. It'd be a lot easier than Philippians 1.20. Okay. Just for Brother Chuck, I'm going to make it uh, the longest verse in the Bible. There is, there is a longer verse in the Bible than Philippians 1.20. 1 Thessalonians 5.25 is only four words, but it's a, peel, it's a, it's a plea from Paul to the Thessalonians to just simply pray for him. He said, I, I recognize my need for God's people to be praying for me as I do the work of God. I would invite you to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3 really quickly uh, this morning, and I want to show you another uh, place in which Paul requests prayer uh, for his ministry. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3 in verse number 1, he says, Finally, brethren, here it is again, brethren, pray for us. And then he gives us some specifics about what to pray for. 
And he said, here's some things I, I really want you to pray for us about. First of all, he says that the word of the Lord may have free course. He said, as we do our preaching, as we do our teaching, as we try to get the word of God into the people we're trying to minister to, that the word of God would go forth uh, with great power and with free course. And that the Lord would be glorified. Uh, it goes on to say, and then even as it is with you, and then verse 2 it says, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Look, this is a great prayer list for our missionaries to pray for the Word of God to have free course and to pray for protection for our missionaries as they serve in perhaps even hostile territory to the gospel. Some of you may know our youth pastor, Brother Blake Rupel, grew up on the mission field in Cambodia. And so this morning I asked him to share a story of God's protection during his time there that I thought would help you understand the need for prayer for our missionaries. So Brother Blake, if you'd come at this time. Well, um, yeah, as Pastor said, I was a missionary kid to Cambodia, and honestly... We need prayers for everyday things, just like we do here. But um, a story that I shared with Pastor, and he asked me to share this morning, was um, my dad, he had to deal with a witch doctor when it was a while back. And um, the witch doctor had four daughters, a son and a wife. All four daughters got saved. Uh, the son got saved, and the wife got saved. Well, obviously, the witch doctor and the evil spirits didn't, didn't appreciate this. Um, so one night my dad would go visit him weekly every week and his daughters and his son and, and his wife were all praying for him to get saved. The sad thing is he knew the truth about God, but he loved his power. Well, one night, um, the evil spirits came to him and, and they're real. Um, they, they told him after my dad had left, they told him, we're going to go kill him and his family tonight. It was my family. Um, well, the evil spirits went off, and uh, they came back to song. And my dad uh, just felt an urge to go visit him again the next day. And he went again, and song said to him, he said, did anything happen to you last night? My dad said, no. And the witch doctor said this. He said, I know. The evil spirits told me last night they were going to go kill you and your family. But when they showed up, they said they couldn't get in. There was something surrounding the house that wouldn't allow them to get in. So that's my story. So. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's a real battle. We need to be praying for our missionaries. In your bulletin this morning, there should be a yellow piece of paper. Seven ways to pray for our missionaries. And on the back of that are the list of the missionaries that our church has the privilege of supporting. But on the list of the seven ways to pray for our missionaries, uh, one of them is number two, physical and emotional, and safety and danger. Uh, they do face dangers that you and I may never know about. I wouldn't have never known that had I ne not, not asked that question. Hey, has there been times when you felt God's protection around your family? And you shared that story with me. Uh, look, God needs, we got, these missionaries are banking on our prayers. So we better hold the ropes. We better be praying for our missionary. 
Romans 15 and verse 30, Paul said this, I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. So, look, our missionaries need our prayers. We have the privilege of supporting these missionaries in two ways, financially, but also, and most importantly, really is prayer support. They desperately need our prayers that God would bless them, that God would protect them, that God would help the Word of God to go forth with free course so that their ministry will be effective and they'll be able to reach a lot of people for the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 3. This is, a, this is uh, the record of when uh, Paul and, well, Saul and Barnabas were sent forth from the church there and in verse number 3, it says, And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them away. So it's part of the process of reaching this world with the gospel of Christ. It can't be done without prayer. It absolutely needs to be uh, the first and foremost ingredient if we're going to uh, magnify the Lord in our world. So we're to pray for more laborers, we're to pray for the laborers, and then also we're to pray for the lost. We're to pray for the lost. Here Paul says in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 1, he says, My brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Look, we have uh, our prayer app that we've been using, and uh, I've enjoyed uh, using it myself and seeing those of you use it. A big list in that prayer app is our health needs. And, you know, we pray for those who are sick and hurting, and, and we should. That's something we should be doing as a church family, to praying for the sick and the hurting. But look, the physical healing is only temporary. You know, suppose someone who is battling cancer doesn't have cancer anymore. Well, praise the Lord. But guess what? They still have a soul. And they're still going to spend eternity somewhere. Look, we need to be praying for the permanent healing of their soul. Pray for the lost and for those who you know who need the Lord. Pray that God would soften their hearts to the gospel and that they would be saved. And look at, pray that God would open a door for you to be a witness to them. We need to be praying for the lost. So if we're going to really magnify the Lord in our world... It's going to require prayer. But it's also going to require giving financially. Giving financially. Philippians chapter number 4, if you would turn your Bibles over there uh, very quickly this morning. Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse 15 of Philippians chapter number 4. Paul again, the missionary, says to them in verse 15, Now ye Philippians... Know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. And so he's telling the church at Philippi, look, when I started my missions, uh, missions work, there was only one church that really supported me financially, and it was this church here in Phil at Philippi. In verse 16 he says, For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. So not only did they support him once, I mean, this was a continual thing. They supported him multiple times. 
Then he says, not, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He's like, I'm not looking for my bank account to expand. I'm looking for God's blessing uh, to abound upon your account. And he goes on to say in verse number 19, he says, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So with the uh, command here or the uh, desire for financial support of our missionaries, there is a promise attached to it. And that's verse 19. God will supply all of your need. And again, as we've mentioned several times, all of your needs, not all of your greeds. But that promise is to those who are financially supporting the work of God. And so I want to encourage all of us to be willing to give financially to support missionaries who are going across this world, carrying the light of the gospel to those who desperately need it. Robert Arthington lived in a single room. He cooked his own meals and shared his friendship with students who were in need. And yet he gave tremendous amounts of money during his lifetime to Christian missions. When he died, his estate was worth about $5 million, which he willed to missions. After his death, a letter he had received from a missionary was found in his belongings. It said, were I, were I in England again, I would gladly live in one room, make the floor my bed, a box my chair, another my table, rather than the heathen should perish for the lack of knowledge of Jesus Christ. So Robert Arthington was determined to make that kind of self-denial the pattern for his life, and he gave a lot of his income to the work of God. He gave financially. And if we're going to magnify the Lord in our world, it's going to require financial giving. A couple weeks ago, I quoted Leonard Ravenhill, who, who said this, Today, Christians, unfortunately, spend more money on dog food than missions. Now, we have a dog. And no, I... Yeah, I wish we didn't have a dog at times. It's a love-hate relationship. I'm, I'm for having dogs. I'm for buying dog food for your dogs. All right, but when we're spending more money on outfits for our dogs and toys for our dogs and all of those things, and we're not giving the missions, our priorities are way out of whack as believers. A minister whose heart was aglow with missionary zeal gave notice to his congregation that in the evening an offering would be taken for missions and he asked for very liberal gifts. A selfish, well-to-do man in the congregation met the preacher before the evening service. And here's, here's what he said. He said, you're going to kill the church if you keep going on saying, give, give, give. No church can stand it. You're going to kill the church. So after the sermon, the preacher said to the people, Folks, I need to say this. Brother Jones told me that I'm going to kill this church if I keep asking you to give. But my brethren, churches don't die that way. If anybody knows of a church that died because it had been given too much to the Lord, I'd be very much obliged if my brother would tell me where that church is. For I will visit it and climb on the walls of that church under the light of the moon and say, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. He said, look, we're, we don't die because we give too much. It's impossible to outgive God. 
You and I need to be generous when it comes to reaching this world with the gospel of Christ. Now, if you notice in your bulletin this morning, there should be a, an offering envelope. And you're thinking, that normally isn't in there. How'd that get in there this morning? It must be an accident. I must be the only one. No, it should be in every one of your bulletins. And the reason for it is I wanted you to notice a word on there. We have the name of our church. We have the word tithe. And then underneath that is the word missions. What are you giving to missions? Do you ever put anything there? I hope you do. I hope you are involved in financially sacrificing and investing in reaching this world with the gospel of Christ financially. Our missionaries... Uh, Brother Blake could tell and testify, you can't be on the mission field for free. <laughs> you needed money there in Cambodia to buy food, didn't you? You needed money to be able to support the family? Absolutely. Look, these missionaries need our financial sacrifice. And that's why that's in there, is a little visual reminder for you to see what you're doing in the area of missions. I am thankful that uh, the word tithe there, everything that comes into our, and this is something I want to mention to our church family, everything that comes in through our tithe, which is our general fund, 10% of that goes into our missions fund. So 10% of whatever comes in to our tithe, to our general fund, goes into missions. And then whatever is designated to missions also, of course, goes into our missions fund. And that we use to support monthly our missionaries, and help with special projects as they come. Because they do come. And uh, it's a blessing to be able to give. So, if we're going to magnify the Lord in our world, it's going to require prayer, it's going to require giving, and giving financially. Also, number three, it's going to require sending. We must send if we're going to magnify the Lord in this world. We're going to have to send those who are willing to lift Him up in every nation, in every continent, in every uh, city. We're going to have to send those who are willing to go. Acts chapter number 13, if you turn over there very quickly uh, this morning. Acts chapter number 13. Let's, let's read the first three verses of this passage. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simon, uh, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and uh, Manan, which, was, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Verse 2, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas, and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And verse 3, And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Look, we're going to have to send people to the regions beyond if they're going to hear the gospel. I'm thankful for the internet. I'm thankful for some of modern technology that we can get the gospel out in a greater way. But look at Nothing replaces someone being in face-to-face -face with somebody, and I'm not talking FaceTime on your iPhone. I'm talking actual physical presence. 
and telling someone the gospel. There's nothing that replaces that. No technology can take its place. So we got to be willing to send people to go to the mission field and do that. Okay, who do we need to be willing to send? First of all, we need to be willing to send church members. Look, this was not easy, I'm sure, for the church here at Jerusalem. They were... Things were going well. I'm sorry, at Antioch. Things were going well, and and uh, God had... Uh, established several here who had who had been involved in ministering. Barnabas and Saul were two of the ones who were. Verse 1 says they were prophets and teachers. Uh, these were the ones doing the work of the Lord. These were the ones teaching Sunday school classes. These are the ones you could count on to show up, to be faithful, and to be willing to serve. And I'm sure that as the Lord made it clear that God was working in their hearts to go and spread the gospel around the known world at that time, the church family was like, please don't send them. They're like too valuable. Like if they go, what's going to happen? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? I mean, they have this on their plate. They have that on their plate. Who's going to do all of that? I mean, Saul and Barnabas was do- were doing a lot. They were, they were busy serving the Lord. Verse 2 says, as they ministered to the Lord. So they were busy working. They were busy serving. So this wasn't an easy thing to send Saul and Barnabas out into the mission field because they were heavily involved and very integral in that church there at Antioch. And they didn't, I'm sure, want to let them go, but the Lord did. It was about 18 months ago when the Berean Baptist Church in Helena, Montana gathered together to send our family out to the mission field of Moore, Oklahoma. As I was writing this part of my sermon this week, I was thinking back to that day. It was raining when we left, so there wasn't a big gathering outside to send us off because it was pouring rain, plus they were eating downstairs, and you know Baptists and eating. But before we left, we remember going around and shaking hands and hugging, and there were tears. As they were seeing a family that was involved in that church go and leave to a mission field. We were going to the mission field of Moore, Oklahoma, the land of sweet tea and okra. It was not easy for that church to let us go. It was not easy for Pastor Jeff and Miss Jennifer to let us go. They fought it for a little while, but they realized it was indeed the will of God. Remember when I served on, a, on the church staff in California, one of my coworkers was a man by the name of Ryan Strother. The Strother family are now missionary, missionaries to London, England. I remember when uh, Brother Strother felt God's call upon his life to go to England and came to Pastor Tomlinson and said, uh, Pastor, I need to let you know that God has called our family to go to London, England as missionaries. And Pastor Tomlinson said, no, that's not what the Lord wants for you. He wants you to stay right here. <laughs> he didn't want them to go. 
And he said that sort of in jest, but uh, he said, let's give it some time and make sure that it is indeed the Lord's will. And after time, it became very evident that that is what the Lord wanted. Pastor Tomlinson didn't want them to go, but when he understood that it finally he had to give in to the will of God, I remember him recording a short clip for their deputation video saying that, he said, when we send someone to the mission field, we're sending our very best. He said, I don't want them to go, but they need to go. And so when the Strathers left, he was hurt because he was sending someone that was very involved and very effective at what he was doing. As I thought about that, I, I, I thought about the, the folks in our church. There's not a church family that I would really want to leave our church to go to the mission field Selfishly speaking, I love each and every one of you. And as I look back, I, I don't want to. I want to give up anyone. But you know, if the Lord decides to call somebody from our church to go to the mission field, I would say, honestly, spiritually speaking, it would be honor, our honor and privilege to send you out into the Lord's harvest field. It would be a hard thing to do, but. Look, if we're going to magnify the Lord in our world, we're going to need to be willing to send people. Many times we're going to have to be willing to send our very best. So we need to be willing to send church members, but we also need to be willing to send family members. Okay, sending a church family that sits across the auditorium from me, I can do. But sending someone who lives with me, no can do. <laughs> you can have someone else's family, Lord. Just not my kids. Just not my grandkids. I can only imagine what it would be like to have your children and grandchildren live halfway around the world. But guess what? Knowing your children are walking in truth and sharing the truth will bring a tremendous amount of joy that is really hard to put into words. Knowing they're doing the will of God is truly priceless. Be willing to send your own family members. I know I'm saying this and I'm talking to my own children. The Lord would call them. I wouldn't want them to go, selfishly speaking, because I like them. Well, maybe Seth we could give up. No, I love them both. And I know that once they marry wives, I'm going to love them a lot. Tolerate them but love their spouses and their grandchildren and their children. I'm going to want to be around them. Wouldn't want to give them up. I wouldn't want to have them go around the world, but look it. If that's what God wants, it's a sacrifice worth making, I promise you. A missions director once met with the mother of one of his agency's missionaries and spent some time getting to know her. She prepared tea for the director and her parlor, and as they drank the tea, she explained to him the difficulty of having a daughter on the mission field of China, and a son as a missionary in Sudan. She loved and missed them dearly, but as she explained, her love for God allowed her to let them follow His will for their lives. The mother went on to describe the burden her son had for uh, these Sudanese people. Her relay of his description of the people brought her to tears several times during the conversation. He had such a burden for them. The missions director left her house with a deeper appreciation for the parents of missionaries and a greater burden for the country of Sudan. 
Well, a few months later, the missions director got word that a missionary in Sudan had been killed. It was the Scottish lady's son. Feeling he should be the one to break the news to her, he once again visited the mother in her home. After telling her the tragic news, the mother looked down, and in a few moments of composure, she said, Sir, I would rather have my son die in the middle of Sudan alone than to have him living here with me, disobeying God's will. That's a mature lady right there who understands the, who has her mind and, and, and heart set on things above. I mentioned my, my previous pastor in California, Pastor Tomlinson. He sent the Strother family to London, England. Well, it wasn't long after that that his daughter and son-in-law approached him and said, God's called us to China as missionaries. Well, he wasn't, he wasn't too thrilled about that one either. Because not only did he have his daughter and son-in-law, but he had a bunch of grandchildren through them. He didn't want to be far away from his grandchildren, but again, he knew it was the will of God and he let them go. It wasn't easy, but he let them go. He sent church members and he was willing to send his own family members to the mission field. Are you, are we willing to do that? Matthew 19, you don't have to turn over there, but in verse 27 of Matthew 19, then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? He said, Lord, we've done so much. We've left it all. What do we get? What's the big perks? Where's the benefits? Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. But then he said this is interesting. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. So he says, look, those of us who make these type of sacrifices and sending forth labors into the harvest field, God says there is going to be a great blessing that He is going to give us. And not just in eternal life, but also in this life as well. It says, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. So God does promise to bless those who are willing to send church members. But the harder one is to send family members. If the Lord would call one of my children to the mission field, it would be such an incredible honor. Would we be sad? Absolutely. Bittersweet for sure. But what a tremendous privilege to know they're out serving the Lord. All right, if we're going to magnify the Lord, we need to pray. We need to give. We need to send. And then finally, we need to be willing to go. Be willing to go. Matthew chapter 28. Uh, if you want to turn over there, I just want you to see one word in this passage that is very, very familiar. Matthew 28. And verse number 19. It's the second word in this verse. Go, and what's the next word? 
Go ye. Go ye. Jesus said, go ye, and, and, and the word ye in the King James means y'all, okay? To help us all understand here in Oklahoma. Uh, it means y'all. It means you and me. It wasn't just talking to one person. He was talking to all of his disciples. And by the way, if you're a follower of Christ this morning, you're a disciple, and we're supposed to be part of this. He said that if we're to follow him, then we would, uh, he would make us fishers of men, right? So I need to be willing to go. And so do you. Where should we be willing to go? Well, as the song said this morning, as the little chorus we sang a couple times, we need to go, first of all, around the corner. And this we talked about last week is we talked about magnifying the Lord in our own community and we talked about being witnesses for Him and sharing the gospel with those around us. Look, we need to be faithful in our own Jerusalem, reaching our own Jerusalem for Christ. You might be saying, well, pastor, you need to go into your own Jerusalem and reach your own Jerusalem with the gospel of Christ and you'd be right. You'd be correct. I do need to go but not for the reason you might be thinking. You see, I need to take the gospel to our Jerusalem, not because I'm a pastor, but because I am a Christian. And do you need to take the gospel to your, to your own Jerusalem, not just because you're a church member, because you're a Christian. Because God has given you the responsibility, just as He's given me, to be His witnesses. He said, go ye. Not just go you pastors. Go ye, if we're a follower, if we're a disciple, he expects us all to go. Look, we have a wonderful opportunity this coming month to get the gospel out into our own Jerusalem. And so in your bulletin this morning, there is one of these. These aren't just pretty so that you can say, well, this is pretty. I like the spring colors. There, it's there so that you can give this to someone so that God could use you to invite someone to church, but most of all, so that God could use you to give the gospel to someone who needs it. And we also have a lot more flyers where this came from over on the table in the back. Feel free to grab that and a couple maps and go out into this community in our own Jerusalem this month and be witnesses. So we're to go around the corner, but we're also to go around the world. As I mentioned at the beginning of the message, I was looking over our missionary list this week, and I noticed that many of them are in the fourth quarter of their ministry. We had, we just had one retire at the end of December last year, and we had another one come off the field in December altogether. Okay, friend, who's going to replace them? Who will go to the uttermost part of the earth? Who will tell the unreached nations all across this globe? Who will give their lives to be witnesses of God's amazing grace to the people abroad? Who will preach the gospel in the regions beyond? Who will do that? Now, some other church is going to provide them. Why can't God provide them through Cornerstone Baptist Church? I believe God could and wants to use someone from this church to go and carry the gospel to the regions beyond. 
There's a song that uh, speaks to this. It's called, uh, My House is Full. It goes like this, There is peace and contentment in my father's house today. Oh, lots of food on his table and no one's turned away. There's singing and laughter as the hours pass by. But a hush calms the singing as the father sadly cries. My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? Oh, it seems my children all want to stay around my table. But no one wants to work in my fields. No one wants to work in my fields. So push away from the table and look out through the window pane. Because just beyond the house of plenty lies a field of golden grain. And it's ripe, white unto harvest. Oh, but the reapers, where are they? Oh, they're in the house. Oh, can't the children hear the father sadly say, My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all just want to stay around my table. But no one wants to work in my fields. No one wants to work in my fields. Will you go and work in my fields? Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 8. Isaiah said, I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people. David Livingston said this, if a, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? It can't be. It would be a privilege to be commissioned by the King of kings and the Lord of lords to go and be his ambassador. So can I talk to the young people here this morning? And I'm just kind of wondering where the young people are who would say, I don't care about the money this world has to offer. I don't care about fame or fortune. I don't care about the things this world has to offer. I want to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Where are the young people in this generation who would say, here am I, Lord, please send me. I remember when I was playing freshman football, it lasted not even a whole half of a game until I got injured and my whole NFL career went out the window. But I remember being on the sideline during that one game and, and there was a running back on our team. I was one of the wide receivers. And uh, anyway, there was a, a running back that got pulled out of the game. And I remember him standing by the coach, kind of just standing by the coach and saying, Coach, can I go in? Coach, let me go in this play. Come on, coach, put me in, coach. And he kept doing that. And finally, the coach was like, all right, fine, go in. And here, take this play in. And he just wanted to be in the game. Where are the teenagers and the young people in our generation who says, Lord, put me in. Let me give my life to serve you, Lord. Oh, well, yeah, what about... I'm going to be the next American Idol. I don't have time to go serve the Lord. Like, I need to work on that. 
Where are the young people who say, I don't care about any of those things. I want to serve the Lord. I'm going to carry the light to the darkness. I want to spread the tidings all around that Jesus saves, Jesus saves. I want to bear the news to every land. I'm willing to climb the steeps and cross the waves so that I can tell the sinners far and wide, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Where are the young people? Teenagers, I know you have ambition, and I'm thankful for that. But why not be ambitious about something that God's ambitious about? Getting the message of the gospel to the regions beyond. Oh, I just am praying that the Lord would send somebody from our church to the mission field. And guess what? It may be me. I might be the answer to my own prayers. I don't know. We all need to be willing to go. Look, all of us as believers are called to the mission field. It's just where your mission field is. So far, I believe that God's mission field for me is more Oklahoma. God may change that. And so you need to say, where does God want me to serve? Where does God want me to be a missionary to? Because He wants us all to be missionaries. If we're going to magnify the Lord in this world, we need to be willing to go. Romans 10 and verse 14 How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Say, Pastor, well, that's that's your job. I mean, you're you're the preacher here. No, I'm just one of the preachers here. Because as I look out, I look out at a room full of preachers. And you may not get and stand behind a pulpit and preach a sermon. Uh, to a congregation, but look at all of us have the responsibility to preach the gospel to every creature that you and I come across. How are we doing in that? We began this series a couple months ago with our theme verse, which is Psalm 34 and verse 3, our theme verse for the year, which says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Magnifying the Lord in our world cannot be done by only one person. Each of us needs to band together to lift Him up. So will you magnify the Lord with me? Will you exalt His name together? Will you do your part in praying? Praying for more laborers? Praying for the laborers? Praying for the lost? Will you do your part in giving financially so that others can go and take the gospel and regions beyond? Will you do part your part in sending those who have been called here at our church, whether it be a church member that you have grown close to, or whether it be a church or a family member that you have grown close to? Maybe God's calling some of us to go. He's calling all of us to go somewhere, whether it's our around the corner or it's around the world. He's calling us to go. Are we listening and are we willing to go? Let's pray together today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to talk about reaching this world with the gospel of Christ. Lord, as you've given us the Great Commission, we see it five different times in the Bible. Once in all the Gospels and once in the book of Acts. To go, be your witnesses. To go, preach the Gospel. To go, teach all nations. As you have sent, uh, as you were sent, even so send you us. You, you, you command that the repentance and, and the Gospel would be preached. Lord, 
These are things that we can't take lightly. Help us, Lord, to do our part. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in our prayers for those involved in missions. Help us, Lord, to be praying for you to send forth laborers. And Lord, if we are the answer to that prayer, so be it. Help us to be willing to go. Help us to be willing to send. Help us to be willing to give.